0: Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, mother
1: of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our
0: death. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. The third day he rose again, ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God. He shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit,
1: the Holy
0: Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins,
1: the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting.
0: Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. It has come for our sins and those of the whole world, for the sake of His sorrowful passion. Passion, the for the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and own the Lord. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and the for the sake of his sorrowful passion. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. <speaking in Spanish> For the sake of his sorrowful passion.
1: <speaking in Spanish>
0: For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us and For the sake of his sorrowful passion. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, on us and on the whole world. Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity, of your duty beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Give In come our, 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 our sins, sins and Passion, the the For
1: the sake of his
0: sorrowful passion. And the mercy us and the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. And the mercy us and the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, for the sake of his ( Например) sorrowful passion. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, Have mercy on us the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, Have mercy on us the whole world. Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. For the sake
1: of his
0: sorrowful passion. And the for the sake of his sorrowful passion. us and the For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy us and the <startup> For the sake of his sorrowful passion. And For the sake of his sorrowful passion, mercy on us and off and off, For the sake of his sorrowful passion, mercy on us and off and off and off, For the sake of his sorrowful passion, mercy on us and off and off, and For the sake of his sorrowful passion, For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion,
1: have
0: mercy on us and on the whole world. Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us, say, love, whole
1: world.
0: For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us, say, love, world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, Have mercy on us, our for the sake of his sorrowful passion, Have mercy on us, and our for the sake of his sorrowful passion, Have mercy on us, our for the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have For the sake of his sorrowful passion. <speaking in Hebrew> For the sake of his sorrowful passion. <speaking in Hebrew> For the sake of his sorrowful passion. <speaking in Hebrew> For the sake of his sorrowful passion. For the sake of his sorrowful passion have mercy on us and on the whole for the sake of his sorrowful passion have mercy
1: on us and on
0: the whole for the sake of his sorrowful passion have
1: mercy on us and on the
0: whole for the sake of his sorrowful passion. For the sake of his sorrowful passion. Have mercy on us, and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion.
2: Have you ever wondered how it would be possible to make your cup of coffee an even greater joy? Coffee of the Cross brings you great coffee for a great cause. We roast on Mondays and ship on Wednesdays direct to you from Nicaragua. All proceeds go to fund the Mountain of Peace Shrine, inspired by St. John Paul II, where thousands of people come on pilgrimage to pray for peace and consecrate themselves to Our Lady. Coffee of the Cross is a nonprofit project of the Diocese of Matagalpa with the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. Fill your cup with Coffee of the Cross, knowing that you are employing families and conserving a natural treasure, the Mountain of Peace Shrine. Please visit coffeeofthecross.com for more information and to purchase your coffee today. That website again is coffeeofthecross.com.
3: It's time now for the KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Each week at this time, we present interviews on topics pertinent to Catholics in North Texas. And now, here is this week's Interview of the Week.
4: And welcome to KATH 910 AM interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. We're thankful that you are listening and also thankful to Cecil Anderson for running the board for this program. My name is Dave Palmer, the host of this show, and uh, we talk about everything. If it's local and Catholic, it fits the mode for this uh, program. And uh, during the next 25 minutes, uh, we're going to talk about a Very, very important topic, and I'm going to introduce you to a gentleman who has just really responded amazingly along with his wife, Jennifer, and their children to a tragedy that happened to them uh, exactly two years ago as of the time of this recording, and this topic is about redemptive suffering. We're all suffering right now with what's going on with the uh, pandemic, and no lives have been untouched, and you may think sometimes uh, it's just too much. The story of Frank Ramirez and his wife Jennifer and their family is, uh, I think, going to be a great blessing to you. So I uh, invite you to sit back and listen, and I can guarantee you you're going to be blessed by this story. So uh, Frank and his uh, wife Jennifer and their children are members of St. Jude Parish in Allen, and they also run a ministry called JoyfulLikeMaggie.com. The Maggie refers to their late daughter, who is going to be the main topic of this uh, conversation. So Frank Ramirez, thanks for coming in. Good to see you. Thank you, sir. Thank you for the opportunity to continue and be a witness. I want to thank also Julio Martinez-Crespo, because he's the one back in March who said, Dave, you got to meet a friend of mine. And uh, we met back on March 10th, and this was right as the COVID stuff was just kind of starting. We had a lunch meeting, and we sat for, I think, an hour and a half, two hours, and I learned a lot about your story. And, of course, we got to kind of condense it here for this. but So thanks to him for introducing me to you, and I know he's listening today as well. Uh, first of all, you're a convert uh, to the Catholic faith. Can you briefly tell us a little bit about your faith journey? Yeah, absolutely. So I was converted to
5: Christianity at the age of 17 back in April of 1999, it was in a non-denominational charismatic church, and I was there for several months, and and then I had to move over to the Baptist tradition. That actually was not by choice. My my mom and dad, who were the only ones with driver's license, decided to switch churches. So if I wanted to keep going to church, <laughs> I had
4: to go. Go where they're going. Yeah.
5: Exactly. So I went there, and I was at First Baptist Dallas, and I was there for about a year before I
4: ended up joining the Catholic Church. And, uh, you met your wife and you now, uh, with her have, have five children, uh, ranging from 16 to the youngest out, out of the womb is four and a baby expected very soon. So congratulations on that. Thank you very much. So the, 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 really the story and what happened two years ago has to do with your daughter Magdalene, who was uh, almost 11 years old. Tell us, um, what happened because this, needless to say, is a life-changing story and really has formed uh, your family and your life and even your ministry for the last couple of years. So take us back and uh, tell us about uh, Maggie and and, and the story surrounding her.
5: Sure. So as you mentioned, today is the two-year anniversary of the unexpected death of our daughter, Magdalene Therese. She died 13 days before her 11th birthday. She had a brain tumor, which we did not know about until 27 and a half hours before she actually died. So by the time we found out about it, there was nothing that we could do. And um, at 7.31 p.m. exactly is when she breathed her last breath. At the time, there were some symptoms that indicated that she had a neurological issue, but we were just prevented from recognizing that. And the reason is because our family was going through a cycle of what appeared to be a common virus. Mm-hmm. In fact, three weeks before she actually died, it started with our Then two-year-old daughter, Gabrielle, she got a fever. A couple of days after that, our son, Leo, ended up also getting sick. He was complaining of body aches and not feeling very well. And then two days after that, uh, Elizabeth, our oldest daughter, said she wasn't feeling well. Maggie said she wasn't feeling well. Maggie actually ended up vomiting. Several days after that, my wife had sent me a text message at work saying that she thought she was now coming down with something so it it appeared as though this was just a very typical virus that, mm-hmm. as usual, was going to cycle through the entire family. Yeah. So that really prevented us from being able to focus on Maggie because so she was having headaches and vomiting, but in the midst of all of that. Now, after about a week, everybody got better except for Maggie. and And in fact, she had become so dehydrated that she actually was not urinating anymore. So my wife decided to take her to the emergency room. She called me at work, told me she was going to take her. I met them there. We explained everything to the doctor. These are her symptoms. This is how long it's been happening. This is everything that the family just got through going going through. And they examined her. And the doctor said, she she seems to be fine. She just needs some prescription medication to to help get her over the hump. Mm -hmm. I I believe is the expression that was used. So they gave her an anti-nausea medication. And they kept her there for about four or five hours. They gave her some ice cream, and they said, if she can hold down the ice cream, we'll send her home. Mm -hmm. We'll write a prescription and just give her this medication for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and she should be fine. If she gets worse, bring her back. Mm. So that was the first emergency room visit. Um, A week went by, and she did not make the kind of progress that we thought she was going to make. She did kind of perk up because the medication was forcing her body to retain food and water, which mm-hmm. she wasn't able to do before. So, you know, uh, necessarily she was getting a little more nutrients, she was being more energetic, but she still wasn't making that major progress that she we thought she was going to make. At the end of the second week, what concerned us more than we had ever been during this time was that she took a nap on on May 5th, which was a Saturday. When she woke up from the nap, she had a severe headache, and like, like she had not had before. I mean, she was, she was physically crippled. She was holding her head on the couch. She was crying really hard. She was saying that her head hurts. So my wife decided, you know what, we're going to take her back to the emergency room, but this time let's take her to Children's Hospital. And the reason why she took her to Children's was because one of the nurses had suggested it to her when we left the first time. They said to her, if this happens again, why don't you maybe consider taking her to children's instead? So that came to mind and my wife decided to take her to children's hospital. So on the way there, things took a turn for the, I mean, they took a traumatic and a dramatic turn for the worse. My wife called me. I had stayed home with the kids because even though Maggie was still sick and we were taking her to the emergency room, we, we didn't think it was life threatening. We just thought that she was dehydrated and they needed to rehydrate her and that's why she was having the headaches which which is pretty, fairly common mm-hmm. when you're dehydrated yeah. yes in fact the er doctor the neurologist at the second hospital he told us as much as well so my wife takes her i stay home with the kids my wife takes a book cuz she thinks she's just going to do some reading while they give her an iv what in fact happened was at 3pm my wife called me she's frantic on the phone and she's telling me that Uh, Maggie blacked out and that they had to put her in the emergency room through a wheelchair uh, because she couldn't walk. She Mm -hmm. she was becoming non-responsive. So I immediately started getting ready and I I head out. I tell my oldest daughter, who's a teenager, watch the kids. Something's wrong with Maggie. I got to go meet mom at the hospital. I go to the hospital. I'm driving there. And I call our parish, St. Jude, and I I leave a message saying, I I need one of the priests to meet me at the hospital. I don't know what's happening, but something's seriously wrong with my daughter. Mm -hmm. So when I'm on the way there, I really sense the presence of the evil one, Dave. And I just felt like, not that he was causing this situation, but I felt like he was trying to hijack it mm-hmm. and 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 use it as a weapon against me to make me lose my faith, yeah, which is a a pretty common thing that happens when people suffer
4: because it's very very natural to fall into despair and in some and most people would under these circumstances and very a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear for sure, yeah. And certainly, I was fearful. I was physically trembling. I
5: had never experienced anything like this in my life. None of my children had ever been, or my wife and I, for that matter, had ever been sick to this degree. Um, so I'm shouting to God in prayer. But I'm, I mean, I'm not cursing God. I'm just, I'm just letting my heart out. And I'm, not, and I say to God, I say, God, I will never surrender my faith in you, even mm-hmm. if my daughter dies tonight. I will never surrender my faith. And God is my witness. As that word left my mouth, my phone rang as I'm driving and it's my wife and she tells me Maggie just had a seizure.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: I look at my GPS. I'm four minutes away from the hospital. I just tell her I'm almost there. We hang up. But before we hang up, I tell her, I just feel moved to say to her, the devil will have no glory here. Mm-hmm. God will not be robbed of his glory. And then we hang up the phone. I get to the hospital. And I see my wife waiting outside. The ER doctor comes. He talks to us. He says that he's concerned because her body mechanics indicated that there may be something wrong with her brain, and they needed to do a CT scan. So we're waiting for that to happen. My wife and I go into the room, and my wife goes on one side of the bed. I go on the other. She's non-responsive. my daughter is, but the doctors tell us that she can still hear us. It was incredibly difficult. To be in that room, uh, I, I didn't. It was hard to go in there. I stood outside for a while before I actually went in, and even when I went in, I couldn't bring myself to even say anything. Seeing my little girl like that, I mean, she mm-hmm. had tubes in her, she was non-responsive, she was kind of staring off into into space, it seemed like. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only words I could muster were, "Daddy loves you very much, baby." My wife leans over, and she begins to sing to my daughter the chorus to Matt Marr's song, Lord, I Need You.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: And she just keeps saying that over and over again, Lord, I need you, every hour I need you, my one defense, my righteousness, oh God, how I need you. Yeah. And she she was just singing that because w- what we realized is that in the week or two before Maggie died, when the headaches were at their worst, Maggie would sing that song to herself. Yeah. And there was at least one occasion where she couldn't sing it so she was humming it. I remember walking through the room, the living room, with my son, and he stopped and he was like, "Where's that? Where's that noise coming from?" And sure enough, it was Maggie. She was on the couch humming the chorus to "Lord, I Need You." So in that moment, my wife decided to to sing that to her to comfort her.
4: I was just going to interrupt for a second because uh, Maggie had a. Very deep spirituality, didn't she? And you describe her as full of life, excited about her faith, and so, you know, evident by her singing that, that Matt Marr song, and so, uh, th- this was a girl, uh, it seems like mature spiritually beyond her, her years. Would you, would you describe her that way? Yeah, absolutely. There was something about Maggie
5: that was always a little different. You know, when she came out of her mom's womb, she came out in the Superman pose
4: the first, you know,
5: her arm was fully extended and and uh, my wife says she was head banging on the way out. you know so, uh, so we always knew there was something a little different, yeah, uh, but she had a deep but quiet piety. Mm-hmm. She loved our Lord very much, she loved the saints. I mean, she had such a relationship with the saints. she had a a saint therese statue, fairly large, probably twelve inches or more. And it wasn't a toy. It's a real statue. And she would sleep with that statue every night. Mm. I mean, she loved it. And she had a St. Benedict crucifix that she kept on her headboard uh, where she slept. And she had these CDs from the Benedictine – I want to get this right – the Benedictine Queen Mary, Queen of the Apostles. (laughs) I believe that's the full title there in Gower, Missouri. And uh, she followed these nuns for a couple of years, and she bought their CDs. And every night she would play these – the CDs from these nuns who were just yeah. chanting the liturgical calendar. So yeah. yeah, I mean, she very much loved our Lord. Um, and looking back, there were little little things that I wish I would have talked to her more about, just so that I would know more about what she was thinking. Yeah, and yeah. There, there were instances where she would be like, "Dad, how come every time I look at a crucifix, I feel like I feel like crying?" Yeah. Or she would say, "Dad, you know, when I look into the sky, I can see Jesus staring at me," but I never. Pursued that further, you know. I would just, much like the
4: Blessed Mother, keep all these things in my heart and just ponder them. And you know, as you're talking about Maggie and what an amazing, beautiful child she is. I mean, every child is beautiful, but she had a deep spirituality from everything you just said. And the the temptation would be at the time, as you're talking about sitting, you know, seeing her there with all the tubes in the hospital room, and your wife is singing to her, to say, God. Why her? You know, the, the, the temptation to be angry with God, which I don't sense at all in you, uh, just the opposite. You know, saying, God, I'm never going to lose my faith over this uh, seems almost well like a supernatural response that very few of us would have. But, but go on with the story and, and what happened next. They're in the hospital room. So they
5: come back and the doctor has a very concerned look on his face. And he cuts right to the chase. He says that we ran the CT mobile scan and she has a mass, a large mass in her brain, and it's bleeding. And he says we cannot help her here. We have to care flight her to Children's in Dallas. So, I mean, if things could not get any worse, this news, you know, almost brings us to our knees at this point. But we're not thinking the worst yet. We're still holding on to hope and to faith and just trusting in God and and trying to be composed because we don't want to ourselves end up in the hospital while our daughter's in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Right. So I decide to drive to Children's Dallas. And as I'm leaving, our parish priest shows up and he follows me and my wife goes in the helicopter with Maggie to the other hospital and my wife, she said, my wife is terrified of flights. I mean, I mean, not too long ago, some friends of hers bought her a ticket to fly her out so that she can have some time away, and she couldn't do it. She mm-hmm. got to the airport, and when she got on the plane, she had to get off of the plane. She couldn't – and that's how terrified my wife is of flights. Yeah. So for her to get on the helicopter was a great act in and of itself, but she was determined to go with Maggie. And as they were flying, my wife said that she, with one hand, she was just – she held Maggie's hand. And with the other hand, she she just lifted it up in the air, closed her eyes, and she just worshipped God. She said mm-hmm. she just kept worshiping God the entire way there, because that's the ultimately, Dave. That's the appropriate response to suffering. Yeah. Blessed be God. That's yeah. what Job
4: said when they yeah. came.
5: That was the that was his first response. Blessed be God.
4: The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. He yeah. said, Yeah. Blessed be the name of God amazing and um so you continue with the story uh, she's still alive she's bleeding she's the 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 problem's been identified the the response by the two of you is very 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 faithful um and and so what what happens next
5: they get to the other hospital i get there with our our parish priest father abraham and when I get there, my wife greets me and she says, I had to sign the papers for a life saving surgery. They're prepping her right now. They have to drill a hole in her head to start relieving the pressure from her brain because our brain pressure is supposed to be something like 20 pounds of pressure. My daughter's was at 70. Mm. So I say, we will, they have to let Father Abraham in so he can give her the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. So they let us in and it was quite difficult because, you know, my daughter's laid out there. And they're shaving her head. My daughter has long, beautiful hair and to see them just shaving it so they can prepare to drill a hole in it Mm -hmm. was just, I mean, it was like a stab to the soul. Yeah. You know, but we walk in and Father Abraham immediately begins to do the sacrament that he doesn't even wait, doesn't ask any question. He just walks in and starts doing it. And that was a great comfort to us because this is something that goes all the way back to Jesus and the apostles. Mm-hmm. I mean, you read in Mark, I believe it's Mark chapter 10, where it's, Jesus sends out the apostles, and, and it says they went out anointing and praying over people who were, who were sick. And then, not surprisingly, you read in the epistle of James, if anybody's ill, bring them to the elders. They mm-hmm. will anoint them and pray over them. So for 2,000 years, Christians have been doing this. So it, when Father Abraham was anointing her, We didn't know if it was going to miraculously heal her. But what we did know is that God was present Mm -hmm. through his church. So after this, the doctors tell us that it's just a waiting game. You know, they, they needed to drill the hole, relieve the pressure. But at this point, the next step was waiting to get her stabilized so that they could do an MRI and identify what type of tumor she had. Because until they did that, they didn't know how to approach it. Well, we ended up waiting throughout the rest of the day, all through the night, and she just kept getting worse. Uh, in fact, that night, the doctors told us for the first time that it was going to be difficult just trying to keep her alive throughout the night. Mm-hmm. At that point, we had only been there for about maybe six hours. So, uh, we were just, we were just trusting in the Lord. I said to my wife, I said, we are an Easter people. We mourn differently and we rejoice differently. Mm-hmm. And we cannot allow the Lord to be robbed of his glory in this because either we believe it or we don't. Yeah. You know, We have been prepared much of our lives for that moment, not, yeah. not by ourselves, but by Holy Mother Church who has discipled us and shown us through all the lives of the saints. One of the great comforts that I have just really held on to, and I've shared with my wife is, up until the time Maggie died, we we prepared her for that in, in this sense. Maggie grew up, she was named after saints, St. Saint Mary Magdalene, St. Therese. She was baptized on the feast day of St. Justin Martyr. She grew up reading about the lives of the saints, watching saints movies. We had an altar at our house filled with probably a dozen statues of saints. We celebrated feast days of saints her mom and her dad both engaged in this as well you know it wasn't something like we just ponder off at the parish and here go learn what you need to learn no this was something that was a part of her family's relationship with god well if you read all the lives of the saints or it just you know you could randomly pick Three Saints to read about and you're gonna read about suffering. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean one of our favorite movies to watch as a family was the Saint Perpetua cartoon movie. It's still yeah, as an adult,
4: yeah. it's one of my favorite Martyr, movies, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Saint Faustina said in her diary the thermometer of love is suffering. Mm. And so uh it, it fits in very well with uh with Saint Faustina and the Divine Mercy. So all right, so you guys are at the hospital and um I I I, I know even at the, the point of death, you're around your, your, the, the, your family, you're around. How, 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 did, how did you handle this? Uh, what, what transpired when you realized that th- th- she was not going to live?
5: So about one o'clock in the morning on Sunday, her godparents, thanks be to God, who were with us, uh, prayed the Divine Mercy Chaplet with us at that time, and they asked if they could have one of their priests from Modern Day come and give her the sacrament of confirmation since it was an emergency situation. We agreed, and uh, one of the priests came, and so she also received the sacrament of confirmation about 1, 2 o'clock in the morning on Sunday. That morning, about 8.30, is when the neurologists met with me. There was a couple of them, and they informed me that there was nothing that they could do for my daughter, mm. that she was progressively getting worse by the hour, and there there were no meaningful options to, uh, to save her life. Mm-hmm. So at that time, I, you know, I'm of course, I'm crying. Um, my little brother is there, thanks be to God, because I'm using him to prop myself up because mm-hmm. at that time I feel like I'm going to collapse. And I just asked him if I could pray for them. I laid my hands on both of the neurosurgeon's head. And, for, and I mean, I don't even I don't know if they're Christians or not. I just felt moved to pray for them, Dave. Yeah. And I, I prayed that God would use them as instruments of his presence for whoever's lives they touch in the future. And and then at that point, we just kind of came tried to come to grips with what they had said. Our daughter was going to die. So I did what Holy Mother Church has shaped me to do. I, I gathered everybody in the room later that day. I took out my my daily Roman missal and I turned to the Gloria and Exsultes Deo, and I said to everybody in the room, the devil waves a, run, a gun around with no bullets, mm-hmm. and that the body that's in our presence is a trophy of God's victory over sin, death and the devil. Mm. And then I led them in the recitation of the Gloria in Excelsis Deo. Yeah. Later on that evening, uh the time came for her to to leave. And uh, we gathered some select members to be in the room with us and we sang the chorus to Matt Marr's song again, Lord I need you. And then we watched our daughter leave this life. And at that moment, after she had already breathed her last breath, I just, I felt the presence of God. I felt the presence of God. That's the God to honest truth. And I just began saying to myself, really, I was just standing over my daughter. I gave her one last kiss and I just kept saying, holy, 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 holy. And then other people in the room started following and eventually everybody in the room was just saying holy 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 and i just envisioned myself at the mountain you know where the holy angels are flying to and fro from almighty god's glorious throne chanting endlessly about his character and and that's what i said to them we ended the chanting or the the recitation of the holy 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 by praying over her. And I I told everybody there, I said, right now, my daughter's dead. She's breathing her last breath. But right now, on his holy mountain, Almighty God is being glorified right now. That's Mm -hmm. what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. And that's what needs to be our focus. Because we're not going to let the devil come in here and rob
4: us of that. You had, at the time, if I'm doing my math right, children ranging in age from about 14 to 2, uh, how, how did they handle all this? How, how what was the response with with them? Were they able to take in the the, the trust and the hope and the, the 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 even maybe even you could say joy that you were feeling about the, this trophy that you you speak of, or right. uh, did they handle it like I think most children would and you know very emotional and uh, how, how what was their response? At the time, it was it was radically different than mine.
5: It was as you said, like most children's. You know, they they just uh, they took it very hard. Yeah. Um but you know what? the Holy Spirit was working on them from that time on, and there have been great signs of hope in the last two years among our children. It's come very painfully, very slowly, but I think probably the best example is my son leo uh, my my son he was he was born two thousand and thirteen uh, that was two, so he was uh five years old at that time. and at that time, a few months after Maggie died, there was one moment where we were visiting some dear friends in Colorado. He was having a very hard time. He was crying, saying he missed Maggie. And at that moment, he was lying on the floor in the fetal position. And he just kept saying, why didn't God – he's five years old. He said, why didn't God let Maggie grow up to be like Elizabeth, meaning a teenager? He said, God could have saved her. I'm lying in the bed crying. My my wife is lying next to him on the floor crying. There's no words to say. I don't know what to say to him. And then he says this. He says – he, in between the the crying and the sobbing he says it's okay mom i forgive god and from that moment on he just had a real peace you know about him I, you know sometime after that we were at the swimming pool and he looked at me and said dad i really wish there was like a portal next to us so that we could just look over and see maggie and i said me too buddy And he said, but you know what, dad? And then he had this big old Colgate smile on his face. He said, do you know where Maggie is? And I said, where, but he says, in heaven. Mm. You know, so he took it hard for the, for the several months after that, but the, the Lord really has worked on him. And I think, you know, who knows? Maybe one day he'll be a priest.
4: Yeah. (laughs) God willing, right? Uh, Frank Ramirez is my guest, and if you're just joining us, he has a really heartfelt and beautiful, beautiful story about his dear daughter, Magdalene Therese, who passed away two years ago exactly as of the date that we're recording this on May 6th. And uh, he and his wife and their four other children remain, and they're, they're members of uh, St. Jude Parish in Allen. And I know that, Frank, the the number one reason I think You know, if you take all the atheists in the world and you say, "Why are you an atheist? Why do you not believe in God?" Probably one of the most important, well, one of the significant reasons is they can't find a reason why bad things happen to them. Bad things happen to good people. Why would a good God allow suffering? Why would God allow uh, a you know an almost 11-year-old beautiful, beautiful girl, a, a beautiful child to die? You know and leave his her parents heartbroken. But this is really, you have the answer to that question in your very life, don't you? What would you say to people who are suffering even lesser things than you have and don't see the reason behind it? So somebody I read,
5: I heard in an interview on YouTube actually recently, a famous athlete was talking about just everything he's had to endure to be the athlete that he is. And he said, I'll never forget this. He said, you know you found something special when you start to fall in love with the suffering. Mm. And he was talking about sports. Yeah. But that can apply to anything. And, you know, Jesus, Jesus calls that something the pearl of great price. Yeah. The treasure hidden in the field. Yeah. And it's God himself. And, you know, when you fall in love with the truthfulness and the character of God, when you realize that goodness and beauty and truth and peace and joy, which are reflected in this world, even the atheist has to admit that, When he, when the atheist looks at his two year, two year old daughter lying in bed is so peaceful and he, and he or she thinks to himself, man, I could just watch them forever. That's a little bit of heaven Mm -hmm. and that's worth suffering for. And so what I would say is the origin of that peace itself, goodness itself, beauty itself. Yeah. It's worth suffering for this world is broken. It's broken, and a lot of the brokenness comes from us, right? The murder, the rape, and all the other atrocities and monstrous things that happen in this world, they're caused by man and the brokenness of creation. And so I think that God is worth suffering for. Embrace
4: it. Yeah, the the Knights of Columbus have a series of videos uh, called Into the Breach. They did one, I'm, I'm guessing, relatively recently, called How to Embrace Suffering, featuring your story as part of it. It's not the entirety of it, but they have a lot of different speakers, and they, that, but that's the, the overall theme. Tell us how that came about and also a little bit about it and how people can access that.
5: Sure. So I was approached out of the blue by somebody I don't even know um, in December 2018 after my daughter died and said, hey, we're, the Knights of Columbus have been inspired to do a miniseries based on Bishop Thomas Olmsted's Into the Breach a letter that he wrote to the men of his diocese. And Into the Breach is a phrase that comes from the prophet Ezekiel, where God says, I looked for a man to stand in the breach, and there was none. Hmm. So Bishop Olmsted uses that to call men, Catholic men, to come stand in the breach against the deterioration of faith in society, culture, and the church. So uh, they reached out to me and said, we need a witness for suffering. We need somebody who can be a witness for redemptive suffering.
4: And you have no idea how
5: they heard your story. Uh, my guess is that it was through my wife. Yeah. Uh, my wife is pretty well connected with, uh, yeah. you know, a lot of different things. And so I think that's how it happened. They reached out to me. I agreed to do it. Um, they flew in a professional crew and in February of 2019, they filmed it, but it was not released until February of this year mm, okay. along with, the, cause they had to literally travel around the country. Oh, wow, you had to wait a
4: whole year for it to come out. I huh? know.
5: It was crazy. I was waiting, counting the yeah. days. Yeah.
4: Yeah. And you, you and your wife have begun. Um, an apostolate uh, you have a website for uh, joyful also a facebook page tell us about that what's the, what's the purpose and uh what, what what do you post on there so the 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 facebook page is the joyful like maggie facebook page it's it's connected to the
5: website the website has a blog a podcast we also post all the interviews that we do on there and the apostolate that we have have created is really just a result of being inspired to share with the world the gospel of the kingdom of God. Because it's exactly what we need in this world. It is the answer to everything. And at its heart, that message is very simply, Christ is risen. That's the answer to divorce. It's the answer to cancer. It's the answer to everything. Christ is risen. That's what St. Mary Magdalene said after she saw the empty tomb and she saw the risen Lord. So what we're, what we're doing is we're just presenting our daughter's witness to the world and letting everybody know that this is available through, through the ministry of Holy Mother Church, really.
4: Hmm. I I have no doubt that Maggie would have blessed many many people had she lived a long a life long and you know who knows what what God would have had in store with her. But yeah, I'm sure you're seeing that she's blessing people you know even through her tragic circumstance. And I wonder are have there been families who have suffered the loss of children or or you know even miscarriage or abortion or what have you. Um, that have come to you and said your story has really inspired us through 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 the ministry and and, and it has I'm sure that's happened quite a few times.
5: Yeah, it happens all the time actually. And interestingly enough, when things seem to be at their most difficult, somebody steps forward and says, "You'll never guess what just happened." Mm-hmm. You know, somebody I remember somebody reached out to my wife and said, "You know, I've been wanting to have another child. I had a dream that Maggie appeared to me and handed me a child." sometime after that the lady got pregnant. Yeah. You know, just really encouraging things like that and then just little things for us that Maggie does, you know, for us that let let us know that she's there and she's praying for us, you mm-hmm. know.
4: Yeah, little signs that you see uh, throughout the day. I, I know when you walked in the studio, you 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 spotted two things immediately, a statue of St. Thérèse, which I think you referred to uh, earlier, and then you saw a cross, which was I think you said it was on her coffin, right? I mean, uh, yeah. so you must kind of experience her you know every day many many times my wife for example every time she sees a rainbow she thinks of her dad because there's a story with her dad so that, that's a, a way that god can continue to to allow somebody to, to to exist in our in our lives even beyond the grave that must be beautiful absolutely
5: you know as catholics we believe that
4: it's not like i mean we,
5: when Scripture says that we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, that's not a metaphor for Catholics. We believe that's an objective ontological reality. Yeah. The saints coexist with us. The heaven and earth intermingle all the time. And the saints, while they are in heaven, they're not just kicking it, quote unquote. You know, they're waiting for the resurrection of their bodies. They're waiting. Ra- they're, they're waiting for the consummation of all things. There's, there is a sense in which they're, they're very much interested in what's going on. I was thinking the other day about the communion of saints, and I was thinking, what sports team do you know of where one of the members of the team scores a point and then they leave the stadium mm-hmm. right no yeah. they they wait on the sideline for the rest of the team, yeah, so you know we yes it it brings me great comfort to know that my daughter is is praying for us,
4: yeah, another sports analogy, you know if somebody plays in the super Bowl and they're High performance athlete, and you know they were only able to do that through years and years and years of practice and struggle. And you mentioned about the suffering of athletes earlier in the in the, in the conversation. But at the same time, you know, you and your wife uh, were prepared. You formed yourselves for this moment. And you know, one of us, God forbid, may may experience something equally as tragic a year or five years from now. But this is the time of formation. What's your advice for listeners to? Uh, kind of battle ready ourselves for uh, suffering's going to hit all of us. It may not be this bad. It, it might be. Uh, wh- 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 how, how does one prepare themselves for the inevitable suffering in life?
5: Well, for one, I would say take seriously the calendar of the Church. You know, every year Holy Mother Church has us repeat the same cycle. Yeah. There's Advent. There's Christmas. There's Lent. There's uh, Holy Week. There's Easter. There's Pentecost. There's Ordinary Time. This is f- shaping us. It's constantly reminding us of what our true purpose is and how we are oriented. We're oriented toward the eschaton. We're oriented toward forever, the other, the eternal. And Holy Mother Church is constantly reminding us, you know, every day we go to work and we're going through the grind. And then we uh, we don't even realize it. But then all of a sudden, it's Advent. Mm -hmm. And it's time to prepare and focus. I would say take advantage of the calendar. Really make it a part of your spirituality and follow the daily readings. One of the greatest gifts of the Holy Spirit has been the, the the daily lectionary. Yeah. You know, it takes. I've timed it. It takes about two minutes to read all the scriptures for the for the day. You can do that, and then spend another two minutes reflecting on them, and just do that every day. Incorporate that into your soul, and what will happen is when the time comes, what you've been doing, the Holy Spirit will take that and it will use it.
4: According to the Father's purposes. I always like to say that the secular calendar never has a time for reflection, for uh, introspection, for um, even penance. Like we have Lent, we have Advent, which is kind of a mini Lent. The secular calendar just goes from one celebration to the next. It's all high, high, you know. From you know, and I and I and, and to mirror what you said, the the liturgical calendar is just so beautiful because we're able to experience joy, we're able to experience repentance and sorrow and you know just the whole the whole gamut of human emotions.
5: Yeah, um If I could just point out also, I think one of the most helpful things about the church's calendar for me has been Good Friday. It's been the Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Yeah. Because The Holy Mother Church does not do away with Good Friday. Mm -hmm. She holds both of them in tension. And when you're grieving the loss of your 10-year-old daughter, sometimes it feels like Good Friday. Yeah. Yeah, But but then sometimes it feels like Easter Sunday. And you just have to coexist with these things, mm-hmm. and and Holy Week in particular really helps us to do that.
4: Yeah, just have a couple minutes remaining, and uh, this has turned into a double interview. We uh, we're good, but just there's so much here that I, I wanted to to turn this into a double interview of the week. And so thanks for uh, doing this. Frank Ramirez is my guest, and as I mentioned, he and his wife Jennifer uh, have five children, uh, six I should say, because there's one in the womb. Six children. And, uh, they're from St. Jude Parish in Allen. We've been talking about, uh, his daughter, uh, Magdalene Therese and her, uh, death two years ago today and, uh, the, really the, the, the beauty that has come out of this. Uh, last question is if people want to, uh, then go to your website, maybe they want to bring you to their parish once the parish has opened up, up again and, uh, have you speak to them about this important topic and you and your wife perhaps, uh, uh, how should they contact you?
5: So they can reach us on the Joyful Like Maggie Facebook page. Um, You can also go to the website JoyfulLikeMaggie.com and there's a contact us there uh, where you can enter your information and get a hold of us. And certainly we're more than willing to speak on the issue of redemptive suffering and how the different aspects of our faith have just helped us. Because as you said, Dave… At some point in our life the crucifix will be more than an ornament hanging on the wall. Mm-hmm. It will be something that we have to live and it's in that moment where we must respond like the blessed mother and St Mary Magdalene and the apostle John.
4: Yeah. Amen. And it's uh you got a great saint uh, looking down from you in heaven named after two beautiful women who suffered a lot in their own lives, Mary Magdalene and uh, St Thérèse. Frank, thanks so much for for being here. Appreciate you telling the story and again, if anybody would like to learn more about Frank and Jennifer and their apostolate and to learn more about uh, Magdalene Therese joyfullikemaggie.com is their website and also the Facebook page as well and you can also contact them through that uh, website and Facebook page and maybe bring them to your parish maybe book it now and you know months from now people are going to be very eager to get out and go to events and hear yes. inspiring talks like this as well. Alright well thank you so much. Thank pre- you sir. Appreciate you being here. Thanks also to Sissel and also for you listening and uh, again uh, a little thank you shout out also to to Julio Martinez Crespo again for suggesting this and introducing me to Frank in the first place. We were going to do this a lot earlier. Then life got crazy with uh, all this COVID stuff. And so I'm, I'm glad we finally got this interview. All right. This has been the KTH 910 AM interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. If you have suggestions for future interviews, if it's local and Catholic, uh, it fits the bill for this program. Just email me, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.
3: Thanks for joining us for this week's KATH 910 AM interview of the week. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Catholic news and information pertinent to North Texas Catholics. Please join us again next week at this same time for another KATH 910 AM interview of the week.
6: Hi, this is Norma Duane with My Mutual Mortgage, a sponsor of KATH 910 AM. My husband Bob and I have been longtime supporters of the Guadalupe Radio Network. We are praying for our country and all that are affected by the coronavirus. The drastic fluctuations in the market have caused mortgage rates to drop to record lows. If you'd like an analysis of your current mortgage rate, payment, or term, we can be reached at 817-527-3166. That's 817-527-3166. My Mutual Mortgage is an equal housing lender, NMLS 12901. Hello? Sam, guess what? What? Our Summer Speaker Series tickets are on sale right now. Really? Yes, it is going to be a great night. We are calling it Monsignor Pope and Pizza. Not only can you come to the Frontiers of Flight Museum on July 23rd, you can also watch the event online with our at-home access,
2: and either way you join us, you will get a pizza. That's great. Uh, just one question. Why did you call me?
4: We're in the same room.
3: <sighs> it makes for more exciting radio, Sam. Oh. Go to grnonline.com to get your tickets today. Do you want a faith-filled Catholic
0: community where your child will thrive? Discover Immaculate Conception Catholic School in Denton, where your child will receive the very best spiritual foundation, along with excellence in education. ICCS serves 250 students ages 3 through 8th grade. Whether it's living the rosary, the celebration of the mass, or the formation of saints, scholars, musicians, and athletes, Our Lady School is the place to be. For more information, call 940-381-1155 to arrange a tour or visit catholicschooldenton.org.
4: Tickets are on sale now for the 12th annual KTH 910 AM Summer Speaker Series event. Thursday, July 23rd, it's Monsignor Pope and Pizza. You've got two choices. Come to the Frontiers of Flight Museum and join us in person and get unlimited pizza from De Vivo Brothers Pizza Fire Truck or remain at home and watch a live stream of the event and enjoy a large pizza from E Fratelli's. So join us either in person or via stream July 23rd. Visit grnonline.com to get your tickets today.
6: Hi, this is Julie Carrick, host of We Sing Our Faith. I'm happy to be part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. One of the songs I'd like to share with you today is called Hold Me Jesus, written by Rich Mullins, and I had the opportunity to record this with a couple members of the Ragamuffin Band. So now from We Sing Our Faith, Julie Carrick, Hold Me Jesus.
1: don't make sense at all. When the mountains look so big and my face. so thin So hold me Jesus Cause I'm shaking like a leaf You have been king of my glory Won't you be my Prince of peace I'm singing Hold me Jesus I'm shaking like a leaf You have been
6: Hello, This is Julie Carrick, host of We Sing Our Faith on the Guadalupe Radio Network. I want to share with you a song from my album, Shades of Grace, the song Mother of Grace. Of course, it is the Hail Mary set to music, as well as that beautiful prayer of St. Bernard of Clairvaux, the Memorare. So from Shades of Grace, Mother of Grace. And of course, more information can be found at wesingourfaith.org. Or juliecarrick.com. Now, Mother of Grace.
3: you are listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth. Catholic Radio for your soul in North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone.